There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet. Which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high coverage foundation. More popular than soft launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. This on? Hello? Hello? We're all science people. Science! Exactly. We know it's a good idea because it's lasted. We can teach kids and they get it. There's chemistry in here. There's biology in here. It's in whiskey. It's in ice cream. It's in who you fall in love with. That's the recipe for success. We can make the world better for everybody. Starting now. Greetings, greetings. Welcome to Science Rules. I'm your host, Bill Nye. This is the show where... Science Rules. It's a call-in show, everybody. If you want to be on the show, please go to askbillnye.com and type on in. I want to hear what's on your mind so that we can have an interesting conversation and advance the knowledge of all our listeners around the world. And as always, I am joined by science writer, editor, and my personal friend, Corey S. Powell. Hello, Corey. Hello, Bill. Uh, you know, I'm feeling a little peckish today. Peckish. Uh, peckish. Hungry. Actually, you look a little hungry. Uh, hungry. Are you hungry for knowledge? What are you hungry I for, am, Bill? I am knowledge starved. That's more uh, like it. And not coincidentally, we are joined by none other than Marion Nessel. She's a professor of nutrition, food studies, and public health at New York University, and she is emerita. Emerita. You're sort of retired. Is that right, Marion? Sort of, kind of. But when you were not retired, you were working just as hard as you are now. I don't think it's made any difference <laughs> at all. Certainly not on a day-to-day -day basis. I still go to the office. So what is your what is your reason to go to the office? What is what is your story? How did you get started on nutrition? Oh, this goes back a very long way. We don't need we, to know got, how we've got, we've got time here. Hence retirement. Uh, my degree was in molecular biology. I was teaching in a biology department. Uh, and doing research on developmental biology, and I was given a nutrition course to teach. And did you teach it? I did indeed. It was like falling in love. Ah. So I'm walking down the street, minding my own business, watching television, listening to radio, and every day, every minute, every certainly every 10 minutes, there's something about your diet, something about... 
your vitamins, something about whatever you need or you don't need. Is there? Do you have a big message for people? Do you have a set of big messages for people? Oh, I do. Diets are really easy. They're, they're so easy that the journalist Michael Pollan can summarize the whole thing in seven words. Eat food, not too much, mostly plants. Really, that's all there is to it. All right, that's all the time we have, everyone. <laughs> Notice. Everything else is um, politics. Pol- so uh, who is, um, what's the constituents of the politician that's uh, advocating one type of diet or another? Any food company that is making a product that they want to sell. Um, food is very competitive in the United States. We have twice as much food available as the population needs. Selling food in that environment is really bad. It's hard. And so food companies have to do everything they possibly can to get you to buy their food instead of somebody else's or to eat more food in general. And I think that has a lot to do with obesity in this country. If I understand you, we have a problem with obesity here in the United States especially. And do you think the problem, the way to address the problem is through education? Is that No, accurate? I think the problem is to regulate the food industry, but okay, shall we well, jump right to that? Well, sure, <laughs> let's, jump, let's so, jump right to that. So a, term, a term I hear all mm. the time is the food system. Mm-hmm. What is the food system? The food system is the new buzzword that's being used to describe the entire <laughs> process by which food is produced transported, stored, sold, prepared, eaten, and wasted. It's just everything that happens to food from the time it's produced until the time it's thrown away. This isn't really a new thing, is it? My parents lived with a food system, didn't they? My grandparents were— Yeah, they didn't call it that. What'd they call it? No, they just called it the food supply or what happened. And um, the point of it is to look at any one component of the food system— Take keeping in mind all of the other components. So the most obvious example of that is we have in the United States two different kinds of policies. We have agricultural policies, mainly designed to promote the production of corn and soybeans. This is the farm bill. The farm and so on. bill. And then we have nutrition policy, which is dietary guidelines. These things have nothing whatsoever to do with each other. If you were taking a food system approach, you would bring them together and you would design your agricultural supports to promote healthy diets. So why is that not done? It's historic. Politics. Politics. The answer to all of it is politics. So uh, congressmen and senators here in the United States, or maybe Canada too, I imagine, for example, uh, senators and representatives promote farming in agricultural states without paying any attention to what people really need to eat. Right. They're promoting corn and soybeans are the big ones. And those the corn and soybeans are grown for, in the case of corn, feed, animal feed, and, and ethanol. We produce an enormous amount of corn that is made into fuel for cars. Let's not even go there. That is so irrational. And then soybeans uh, that are animal feed. So this is not, and what you want is you want people to eat fruits and vegetables. You want them to eat meat and animals also, but in small quantities. Well, if I may ask, historically, how did this happen? Are these interests that became kind of just kind of gradually entrenched into the American economy or the Western economy? How, How did those interests become so powerful that they sort of overwhelmed 
Just the normal rules of healthy eating. Well, there's a history for that, of course. When the Department of Agriculture was established, it was established to make sure that Americans had enough to eat. When was that? 1862, if I remember correctly. Right before the Civil War. Yeah, just around that time. It was a long time ago. And the idea was you wanted the country to be self-sufficient in food and to produce enough food for its population. Over the years, that goal was more than achieved. We produce twice as much food as, as we need, but the policies that came along to promote agriculture have remained. So you're in charge. What are you going to cha- What are you going to change? What am I going to change? Oh, I'm the czar of agriculture. Yes, yes, you didn't, you didn't know that. That's that's one of the that's one of the bonuses oh, that comes with this podcast. I'm excited. <laughs> we oh, put the, people in charge. Well, there are a bunch of things I'm going to do right away. Okay, let's hear um, it. First of all, I'm going to change the agricultural production system so that we have a much bigger emphasis on fruits, vegetables, and make them cheap enough for people to buy. Wait, hold I, on. I, how, I how do you more, do that? I, I, I want to stop you before you get to the next point. How do you do you that? You said I was. Bizarre. Okay. I, I get to order it. <laughs> well, okay. can we have a couple details? On a your, couple of details. Uh, some you change, bullet points. You change the. Um you change the subsidy system uh-huh. so that you subsidize healthier foods instead of foods for animals. So who you dis- certainly stop growing corn for ethanol? That you certainly do, well, and you stop food companies from marketing junk foods to children. Those are the big ones. Um, You know, in the United States, we have available for every individual in the country, men, women, little tiny babies, old people like me, we have 4,000 calories available per day per person what do per you capita. need 2000 2000 roughly yeah, yeah. for the population so that's twice as many calories available and that's what's produced less exports plus imports these are department of agriculture figures that are no longer kept by the department of agriculture when by did the way. that stop being when did they stop oh, being oh they kept? stopped that in 2010 why I think politically inconvenient. Bill, do you know what we have available to us? I got a feeling, Corey. I have a feeling because ha- this is a call-in show. It's a call-in show. What we have available to us is a caller. Ah, uh, yes. And our caller's name is Amanda. Amanda. And Amanda is on the line waiting uh, to talk to us. Amanda, where are you calling from and what's your question? Hi, yes. I'm calling from Paoli, Pennsylvania. And my question is about food waste. What impact does it really have on our environment and what can we do at home, at work, or when we're away from those two areas to help cut down? Well, I think lots of people have exactly that question. And one of the wonderful things about food waste is it's something you as an individual can do something about. Um, Don't buy as much, for starters. Um, I like to think of thing of these kinds of things from policies. I'd like to see less food produced, therefore less will be wasted. So if you don't buy as much, then you wouldn't have as much to waste. That's right. Wait, tell us about that. So <laughs> right. when you say produce less food, hmm. here's Amanda. She's trying not to waste it. How would we we would not subsidize certain foods that are overproduced? Yeah, I mean that's the where the big increase in calories came. The big increase in calories in the food supply came after 1980. When a lot of really? things, when a, oh yeah, when a lot of things were deregulated um, and farmers started to produce more and they were rewarded for Who doing so. Who deregulated them? The government. 
Well, who's the government? The government? Well, I mean, I'm the, a voter. That, that was the Reagan administration. Oh, the, oh I see. Yeah. The Reagan administration came in in 1980 and did a lot of deregulating. Um, and that was when calories in the food supply started to go up. And then the other really interesting thing that happened at that time was that um, the shareholder value movement kicked in in about 1981. And that that's a Wall Street movement that where shareholders who own stocks put pressure on Wall Street to insist that the companies that they were invested in produce immediate higher returns on investment instead of valuing um, boring old companies that produce blue chip stocks. You never hear about blue chip stocks anymore. Uh, so the point of that was that that made, meant publicly traded companies had to grow. They not only had to make a profit, but they had to grow. They had to grow their profit and report growth to Wall Street every 90 days or all hell broke loose. And so that changed the investment system, putting huge pressure on food companies, which were already trying to sell products in an environment with too many calories. I, I, I want to bring Amanda back into the conversation here. So Amanda... Is this something that you worry about? I mean, do you throw out food? What do you do to, to reduce your own waste? Yeah, it's something I worry about a lot. Um, at home, I try to make sure I'm composting as much as possible, and I'm a vegetarian, so most of my food is compostable. But it's, you know, when we go out to work or when I go out to a restaurant, I'm wondering what's happening with all this excess food that, you know, was prepared or was brought out, but, you know, I doubt they're going to do anything with what's left there. Mm -hmm. So uh, do you ever order, do you ever split meals with your, do you have a family, Amanda? None of our business, I suppose. <laughs> uh, kind of. I live with three other people. Yeah, and so when you go out, do you split uh, uh, an entree? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Because the entrees have become so big. Oh, well, yeah, I, I never order entrees anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think the thing about food waste is that it's built into the system. Um, we have a lot of money in this country, and so we can afford to overproduce um, the government you know, helps with that, and the government helps in lots of other ways, too. Um, but we, we overproduce. It's built into the system. So that the waste is a, you know, it's collateral damage from a system that is, a food system that is, as a lot of people put it, broken. So, Czar. Yes. Here is Amanda trying to avoid uh, wasting food. She sounds like she's doing a great job. Yeah, Amanda, you're doing a great job. Why did you call in? <laughs> but, no. but, but yeah, but as, as one person mm. try, trying to make a change, mm -hmm. um, you're saying, on the one hand, yes, this is something you can address individually, but there's also this larger systemic thing. Right. How can people sort of help well, deal with the systemic problem? People can do it on the individual level. They can work with local areas to do something with restaurant waste, um, with school waste, with all of the other, you know, they can collect it, they can compost it, they can turn it into wonderful topsoil. Um, I mean, that would be one way to do it. But that's you know, in, in public health, we have an upstream and downstream way of talking about these things. Um, that's a really downstream way of doing it. How about stopping the problem where it starts from? So you're a czar. All right. What are you going to change? I want to change the food system. So I want to change the food system so that the food system is designed to prevent 
undernutrition prevent people from gaining weight and developing chronic diseases and prevent the the harm that is done to the environment by our agricultural system. All right. So what would you, what would you do practically? Here we are, let us say in, uh, Amanda, where are you? You're in New York state. So, no, you're in Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. <clears throat> and Western Pennsylvania is a lot of agriculture. A lot of agriculture. So what would you change in Western Pennsylvania? What should Amanda be uh, advocating for her representatives? Sure, organic farming. Organic farming. Organic corn. and sustainable farming. Absolutely. So that would be much kinder to the environment, almost you, almost as productive. And remember, we don't need to worry so much about production because we already produce so much. So I would say organic, sustainable, absolutely. So would you pass regulations? Uh, well, if it were up to me, I would. Yes. Do, I would do. I would everything I possibly could to encourage and to reward and incentivize organic, sustainable agricultural production. Right now, we don't have those kinds of incentives. The incentives go the other way. Uh, Amanda, you have uh, triggered a fantastic discussion because. Your concern about food waste, I believe, is genuine and reasonable and maybe even obvious to you every day, every meal of your life. But, uh, Marion, you're saying if we could fix the upstream side, the downstream side. It'll get taken care of. There you go. Amanda, you have stimulated a conclusion. You have asked a question that has an answer. <laughs> Nicely done. Thank you for your call. <laughs> Thank you. Stick around for more Science Rules after this. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are Golden Retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi, it's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Science Rules is back. I'd like to go straight to another caller. Oh, my goodness. We have, you can't uh, be serious. Michael? 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 We'll, we'll, we'll find out in a second how he pronounces it. But he's on the line, and he's got another question to propel us forward. Michael, where are you calling you, from? <laughs> you've got it. Uh, you've got it just right. It's Michael. Um, I'm calling from central Montana, just outside of Big Timber. Um, I was out in the field with my cattle, but I got chased out by a thunderstorm. So, um my question is, how can we better educate people on what they eat? You know, responsibly sourced, nutrient-dense, carbon-negative food. Um, okay, what's carbon-negative? Conventional. Uh, that's food. Well, you know, pro yeah. Let him food, answer. You know, a food process that fixes carbon into the soil. If you're doing organic, sustainable agriculture, the carbon goes back into the yep. soil. 
There you go. And that's that's what we do. We raise or, organic grass-fed beef and use management intensive grazing to fix carbon and build soil. Um, but, you know, industrial conventional agriculture is so big and it destroys ecologies. And, you know, as the producer, we should be in, enhancing the ecologies. You know, how do we teach people this? Well, you learned it. How did you learn it? I, I, I fell into it. Um, I, I came from an ecology background and got a job in agriculture because I always liked cows. Um, and just it, the things slid into place. But it What's like an ecology a, background? Do you go to, co- you go to school well, for I, ecology? I, yes. Yeah, for ecology. And I, did, I practiced restoration ecology for, I think, five, six years. Oh, I love this guy. Before I did agriculture. <laughs> yeah, you're doing great stuff. So then the question is, how do you spread the word? I think you just keep exactly. doing it. You write about it. You talk about it. Um, you, In every opportunity that you have, you explain why you're doing what you're, what you're doing and why it matters. Um, I think more and more, I mean, I certainly see more and more people who are interested in these kinds of things. And there's certainly a huge, huge, huge young population who really want to do sustainable agriculture. It's a really big deal these days. All right, so let me ask this of uh, you, And that means animals as well as plants. Yes. And, Mahal, let me ask both of you. Mm-hmm. We have, when I was a kid, we had 3 billion people in the world. Now we have 7.7. 7. We're going to have 9. We're going to have 10 billion people. Mm-hmm. With organic farming, can we feed everybody? Well, that's a huge issue. Yeah. Most <laughs> of the studies have shown that or- organics produce slightly less. Right now, production is not the problem. So Money you're saying, the, yes, we could produce yeah, enough food Inequality for is the problem. So how do we address Mahel? Right. Do you have are you do you have a sense of what she means by inequality? Yeah, help I, I us do. out. I mean, I, I feel like for you know we the way I see it with um, you know our organic agriculture, you know we're not allowed to use conventional herbicides, pesticides, fertilizers, and we've gotten to the point where we don't need to do it. We don't produce as much tonnage for our cattle of you know grass for our cattle. But the quality of it is that much better that they eat less of it to gain the same amount that they would be, you know, needing for their proper nutrition if we were conventional. So it's it's a quality issue, I think, for me, is what I see. And what we want is high-quality food for people. So That's really yeah. a but, goal. But um, let me ask you, let me put it another way. So in uh, 1862... How many people did we feed on the mythic 40 acres? Oh, good heavens. I don't remember the numbers, but it's a lot fewer than it it's is a, now. It's a family of four, I think. Is yeah, what it's the a idea. lot fewer than it is now. So now we produce, what, five times that, 10 times that. Sounds right. So are we going to be able to feed 10 billion people mm-hmm. with uh, Mahale's style of agriculture? I hope so. Okay. I think I think so because I mean, Gabe Brown out of North Dakota is doing some incredible things with you know actually growing corn, soybean, and stuff in rotation with the ecologies that are that you know he has an ecology going there in the soil and he's still able to produce um, you know as well as his neighbors who are conventional doing organic. So I mean there are it's it's all about finding the method to do it where you're at. So it's a it's a change in the mindset I think of of uh, agriculture. I mean, uh, right now in the U.S. and Canada, everybody applies the same rules or the same inputs to their farm. And uh, the, the, 
it would be better if they were more regionalized or more localized. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because we can't, you know, we, we have 10 inches of rain every year on a good year. And, you know, places in the Midwest get, you know, 20 to 30. And so we have to do diff- things differently to, you know, maintain production. Uh, so what is the, uh, how are you able to compete if you get half as much rainfall and you're farther mm-hmm. north where I presume it's colder or it gets colder sooner and doesn't get warmer till later? How are you able to compete with people of uh, farmer agricultural professionals to the south? Sounds like you have an answer. What is, how do you do it? Soil. <laughs> that's, that's kind of my answer to everything out here. You know, the soil needs to be rehabilitated. You need to have an ecology under there. And that ecology extends our growing season. It allows us to graze all, almost all the way through winter. I mean, even up here in Montana where it can get pretty nasty. You know, we, we don't need to be haying our fields. We can graze it off the ground and, you know, keep, you know, they can, they can eat green grass all the way through Fe- February, March up here. How, do you have to blow snow it's just a matter away? Of, or the, the uh, animals no, they, skilled enough? Yeah, you have to train the animals to do it a little bit. But they can they can survive and they can gain weight and they can still produce. Now I have to ask the then the end product is what you're selling more expensive than what is coming from like the big industrial producers. I mean, how does that you know how does that work out for you economically? Uh, we're probably I, we're kind of mid range where we're at because we have so many fewer inputs um, that we are able to you know we don't we're not we are organic we're grass fed which is difficult up here but we've figured out kind of how to do it and we've built a regional market our focus has been around us yeah know, so being it, able to distribute around us first yeah you have a regional you're a regional business you have a regional market you're not trying mm-hmm. to sell to china chinese consumers or whatever. no i'm just mindful no. of what marion was saying earlier about uh you know during the during the depression when we had plenty of supply but people could not you know afford to tap into that supply uh if we go to an organic system can that be something that is affordable uh, on, a, on a global scale. Only if it's backed by policy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what the problem is. Right. I mean, here are people who are doing exactly what you want in changing the food system to something that's really going to work and will be sustainable in the long run. But there's no policy backing it up. He's on his own. So do you, when uh, she's talking about policies, Mahal, what would you change in, let's say, your Montana legislature to enable you to be more successful, even more successful? I think the big part of it, I mean, the, we'd need to just, we need more support for, you know, our, our, you know, what we're doing because we, you know, we don't get a lot of uh, um, subsidies for what we're doing, you know, cause it's, you know, some of it's not proven. You know, well, I guess it, it is proven, but not with science, you know, it was, it was done hundreds of years ago. You know, we're kind of going back to a pre-industrial agriculture system with, you know, using science and and ecology to base our our practices on. But there's not a lot of support legislatively for that or, or, you know. So can you think of a specific thing? People changing over. Can you think of a specific thing you change? Um, I think, you know, it'd be really great to have subsidies uh, just to get people to start the transition because the transition hurts. You know, we did it and it hurt to go from conventional to regenerative. the first first couple five years or so was very difficult. You know, it's hard to see the you know you don't see the changes for a number of years. Five years, yeah, so that's it. You, so all yeah. politics is local. No, I mean I'm just excited. All politics is local, mm-hmm. as the saying goes. 
So perhaps if yeah. you're in your Montana, uh, in your, uh, what do we call it, district, in your political area, mm-hmm. if you could affect this change, enable people to make the transition over, five, let's say, five years, then that could be expanded to other farmers and agricultural professionals nearby, and it would change the world. Mahale, that's yeah. a great, that is a great insight. You have given us a, uh, a jolt. A, a place, to, a, 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 a place from which to jump to a higher level. Well, thank, thank you, you very much. <laughs> Thanks for calling, taking the time. Thanks a lot. K- keep dry. Yes, no problem. And, and I Marian, will. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank, thank you so much for calling in. Now, Marion, I want to circle back. You were talking about your journey into this field in the first place. From into this, the field. Into this field. See what he did there? Into this field of food. The ridiculous lack of information or lack of, you know, high quality information about nutrition, about just these Mm. basics. Uh, How much of that has been addressed since then? Or how much are we still operating with an inadequate understanding on these very basic questions of like, are organic foods, you know, more or less healthy for you? I mean, I think everybody's heard in these back and forth studies that you kind of make your head spin after a while. You can't quite figure out What's real and what is it? Has the quality of the research improved? Well, yes and no. I mean, part of the problem is inherent. You cannot take people and lock them up into a metabolic ward for 40 years and feed them defined diets. You just can't do that. The people aren't rats. You can't do that, Corey. You can't do that. You can't even do it on prisoners anymore. <laughs> Nobody would try to do an experiment yeah. like that. That's, yeah, you can't even do it. You can't do it on prisoners. Um, so, the, so the science isn't has to be inf- you have to be able to infer from the totality of evidence that you have. Um, I think there's no question that organics are better than conventional foods because they're better for the environment. You know, whether they're better nutritionally is is arguable, but uh, from an environmental standpoint, there's in the, just in no a question. bigger picture way. There's, no, there's just no question from the food system perspective. Yeah, yeah not just the just, individual. There's from just the no question that they're society. better. Yeah. Um, and they should be supported, and they shouldn't be more expensive, and they should be available to everybody. Um, but the idea of taking one food, eggs, of course, are the classic example where the um, you know where the advice changes or seems to change all the time. Eggs are bad for you; they'll kill you instantly because of they because they have cholesterol. Eggs are the greatest thing ever because right. they have. Right, and it all, you know, and then it gets into the whole question that I, I'm concerned about is who paid for the studies. Right, um, but if you take eggs as the example, they're one food in diets that are enormously complex. People not only eat different, a lot of different foods every day, and their diets different from day to day. But my diet is very different from your diet, and even within. You know, I mean, there have been studies that have looked at people's diets for a year, a fascinating study that took dietary intake data from people who were pretty skilled at giving it. They did that for a year. And at the end of a year, they looked at the average intake of nutrients, and they asked the question, how many days of dietary intake data would it take to get a result that's within 10% 
of the average for any particular nutrient, and the smallest was 18. 18 years? 18 days. 18 days. You would have to get 18 days of dietary intake to get within 10% of the average for a year. Well, that's, that's, that's impossible. Well, no, it's that's not. That's impossible. I'll tell you why it's not impossible. All right. Because the kids, the kids with their electric phone machines. Oh, now they can do it with well, the electric can, machines. Well, right. they can keep track of what they eat if they choose to. If they can figure out how much... They're eating because you can't tell by looking at a food how many calories it's got or how big it is or anything. You're just eating it. And I'm not sure. Zarina, you're throwing up your hands. I'm I want not you to throwing up my hands. I'm saying you have to use your head. Oh, that. Well, <laughs> maybe with the assistance of an app. Science Rules will be right back. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. You're listening to Science Rules. You know, there's an old-fashioned app uh, called a telephone. Wow. Yeah. That's from the 19th century. It was this, yeah, this uh, this bell guy had this great idea. Well, he was one of them. Yeah, I mean, there were a number of them. Uh, But uh, it has allowed a distant person... To pipe okay, okay, yeah, yeah, so we have no, a we've got a caller. We've got a caller. Okay, <laughs> cut to the chase. We have a we have a caller online, and uh, the the caller's name is uh, Samuel. And Samuel, uh, <clears throat> welcome to the show. Where are you calling from, and what is your question? Hey, everybody! Thanks for having me on the show. I'm uh, calling from Indianapolis, Indiana. There you go. I'm a CPA, 24, just out of college, and uh, my question is. You know, I'm in an office environment, and one of the most dangerous things about being in an office environment is uh, just inactivity and poor diet. I see it all the time. I see free snacks. Cupcakes. (laughs) Yep. And uh, every article I read makes me more confused. So is it? my question is, is it more important to be cutting out the bad things that I'm eating or to be introducing more healthier things into my diet? Okay, principles of healthful diets, as expressed brilliantly by Michael Pollan, eat food. By that, he means real foods, not junk foods. Not too much, balance calories, mostly plants, make sure you eat your veggies. There you go. That's it. Dial tone thing. No, it sounds like you need where we all could in an office environment work the problem from both ends. That is to say, eat less or fewer processed foods and more... Uh, real foods. Real foods. Yeah. So, Marion, can you tell yeah. us what real foods are? Yeah, they're just foods that have been min- minimally processed. An apple. An apple uh, or a cut-up carrot or something like that. That's minimal processing. And actually, minimal processing goes much further than that. Ultra-processing is junk foods. Everybody knows what junk foods are. Okay, what about, I'm not joking. And lots of offices supply junk foods. Yeah, it's a food. thing to bring As in cookies. As yours does. I picked up Oreo cookies when I walked in here. I, <laughs> how your could choice. you? How could you? How could I? I like Oreo cookies. Yes, who doesn't? Yeah. Uh, no, wait. Uh, Samuel, do you eat junk food? Is junk food in your office? Is that part of what what you're dealing with oh, day yeah. to day? 
Yeah, it's all over the office. We have a whole fridge full of soda. Oreos are actually my absolute favorite junk food. I eat them all the time. Let me, okay, so you're in, you're in Indianapolis. Uh, do you have a culture of organic food or um, food fresh from the farm? Because there's a lot of agriculture in Indiana. Yeah, I, you, you would think we had a, an organic culture, but we don't. Uh, it's, it's definitely a culture of junk food, fast food. All that, all that bad stuff. That is a problem. <laughs> so that means you're fighting your peers. Um, is there anybody else there who's concerned about this issue that maybe you could pal up with? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some uh, people in the office who have commented on it, but a common practice in a CPA firm is that it's owned by the partners, and so everything they supply to us is a direct cut from their mm-hmm. uh, ownership, their pay. So the cheaper foods are processed foods and thus easier to supply to us. Marion, to your point, if healthy snacks, which would be sliced up carrots, for example, mm-hmm. were available to his managers, then perhaps no, they would No, if his supply. managers were willing to pay for them. In other words, if they were financially, he, is, if they right. were cheap. If they were cheaper, then right. the partners might be willing to do that. And so that's, that's a perfect example of how do you, the question is, how do you make the healthy choice the easy choice? And this is a situation in which that the healthy is choice is the, key. Yes. And this is a situation in which the healthy choice is a hard one. You're fighting not only um, your culture, but you're fighting your bosses, and that's not a good thing. So you have to, you have to, you're going to have to learn how to manage this. Maybe um, you can right. be a leader, Samuel. Get together, get the carrots, get the. I mean, I'm personally kooky for apples. I eat a lot of flipping apples. Mm. I have to say. Okay. And uh, <laughs> and then uh, you could be leaders. And then other people would want apples, and there you are becoming the, the office leaders of vegetable snacking. Well, there is. There's a lot yeah. of... Wait, wait. There we go. There's the idea. <laughs> no, there's, there is a lot of complicated psychology around food, and you know it can be, oh, you're, you're weird and obsessive about food, or oh, you're kind of cool and progressive about food and trying to use food to make a better world in the Bill Nye style. Uh, and I, you know, I think if you can approach it that second way, you know, to turn it into this, you know, this kind of positive world-building way of looking at food, that makes a huge difference. So, Samuel, uh, do you bring your lunch? I do, yes. And what do you pack in your lunch? <laughs> we're, uh, we're getting well, really detailed here. such mean questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. mean? Well, for a long time, I was doing, you know, frozen meals, and those, I looked at the back of those, and those were awful. So recently, I've been trying to do more um, dark green salads and with eggs and that kind of stuff. But it's, uh, it's definitely more difficult to, you know, make a meal than just have it ready and pop it in the microwave. So you know what you ought to do? You ought to play this episode for your boss. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Give that a try. Yeah, yeah, if there's a, yeah. If there's any sort of uh, you know, kind of like emergency broadcast or PA system in your office, you can just <laughs> just, you can just, pi- just pipe it in. Played over that. And yeah, the exactly. Yeah, and the then boss, look for another job. <laughs> the boss, the, the man or woman is going. What were you doing during company time? Listening to a podcast. What were you calling in for? <laughs> right. Well, we appreciate you calling, and I hope. And good luck with it. I'm serious. I hope you consider becoming a leader. 
with your like-minded people in the office, the longest journey starts with but a single step, a single bite, perhaps. And maybe you can, dare I say it, change the office. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I see what you did there, and it's nice. <laughs> thank you, Samuel. Samuel, thank you so much for that call. Thank you. Uh, so, look, uh, we have not solved the problem, but I'm listening to you as I understand it. You think it's got to be top-down. We need be, to change policies. It has to be bottom-up to insist on top-down. Yeah. That's what voting, we used to call voting. Yes, that's what we called it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now, now. So uh, we want to work the problem from both ends. We mm -hmm. want to educate consumers mm -hmm. about the importance of eating healthily. Mm -hmm. And we want policymakers to stop subsidies or to curtail the subsidies of industries uh, overproducing food that we don't need and instead produce food that we do need. Mm -hmm. But this still leaves me uh, with the question, are we going to have enough food in 2050 or 2060 when there are 10 billion people in the world? Um, I think the answer is yes, as far as we know, but we're not going to know that. Until we get there. We're not going to know that, and climate change is a um, big question. Where agriculture is probably going to have to move away from the equator, farther north, farther uh, south. Or grow different things. Do you have ideas for different things to grow? Uh, I don't. All right, I that's think, good. That's I all think, the time we have. No, I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah, for, for the, your next round, as, as foods are, yeah, then mm -hmm. we can uh, we can push you yeah. on to the second we round of policy. On, we can work on that. One. Wait a second. That sounds like Bill. That sounds like lightning. Yes. Uh, well, it sounds like thunder, which is produced by the superheating of the atmosphere when static charges uh, dissipate from the cloud to the ground, the ground to the cloud. So, what it is, Marion? It's time for the lightning round. So here we go. You ready? Okay. Are, are you ready? I don't know. What am I ready for? Exactly. <laughs> if you don't know whether or not you're ready, then you're ready. Tomato, fruit or vegetable? Fruit. Uh, why do you say that? It's got seeds. It's got seeds. Wait, cucumber, fruit or vegetable? Fruit. Cantaloupe. Uh, <laughs> I see where we're going here. Well, if it's got seeds in the flesh of the Yeah, of the then thing, it's a fruit, but we a... call it a vegetable. I don't care. It's semantics. All right. It has a lot of vitamin C, a tomato. Oh, absolutely. There you and go. they're delicious. I grow them on my terrace. Uh, coincidence? Hmm. No. Uh, turmeric. How do you pronounce it? Turmeric. Uh, okay, Bill, you did well there. Is it good or evil? Tastes good. I like it in Indian food. Because it's been touted as is the greatest thing. Is it a miracle thing. food? No, sorry. So is there a miracle food? No. But there's enormous uh, investment continually in uh, things claiming to be miracle foods. That's marketing, not science. How about vinegar? Love it. There we go. Salad dressing. Uh, paleo diet. Real or not real? It's real for the people who are eating it, but to the extent that it meets the principles, eat food, not too much, mostly plants, it's either good, bad, or different. Ketogenic it's, diet? Same thing. Got it. Uh, do you grow your own food? I grow some on my on my. T I, it's sort of fun. I have blueberries, strawberries, peaches, and I just put in a cherry peaches tree. Peaches on a terrace in Manhattan? Yeah, why not? Because it seems like you'd need a peach tree. I have a peach tree. A small one. A small one. A, a, tree, one. a peach a tree grows in Manhattan. Yeah. Well, what do you love to eat? Um, I love fruit and vegetables. I'm lucky. Which one? I like them all. Uh, blueberries. Love them. Strawberries. Love them. Raspberries. Love them. Kiwis. Love them. Eh, not as much. Ah. <laughs> Aha. So you have a terrace. You got a peach tree. You got blueberry uh, plants. 
strawberries. Mm -hmm. Do you have backyard chickens? Um, no, I'm on the 12th floor. Well, I don't have chickens. I wouldn't on put my, it past you I to listen to you talk. You got, wait, what about, you can put a coop on the roof. I you don't got, have chickens on my terrace. A tree sorry. on your 12th floor. I don't think a chicken's a big stretch, due respect. Now, do you have any? I'm serious because this I fascinates don't have deer. Do you have any opinions, thoughts, insights about colony collapse disorder? And what is the importance of European honeybees to agriculture and the future of humankind? Oh, my God. We need to do something about bees. I worry about all the pesticides that are being used on corn and soybeans because I think those are responsible. Do you think glyphosate is one of them? I don't know whether it's glyphosate. That's a plant one. But some of the other ones are certainly harmful to bees. There's uh, flying insects are disappearing in and general. And flying insects are disappearing. That's good. And nobody knows why exactly. Although, frankly, if we could get rid of mosquitoes, I would be very happy about it. You and your human yes. perspective. Suppose Sorry. you were a bat and that's what you ate. Well, this has been big fun. So if I understand it, we are going to uh, work to get our policymakers to change policies and stop subsidizing or reduce the subsidies to corn and soybeans. Is that right? And put policies into promoting healthier foods. So we want to make healthy foods easy to get. Mm -hmm. and healthy choices, and easy preferred. choices. And how do we get preferred? Through and education. making them cheaper would help a lot. Making them cheaper and available to right. people all over the place. This mm -hmm. has been nothing but fun. Have we had the most fun ever, Corey? I can never recall having more fun than this. Never. <laughs> never. I bet you say that to everybody. No, I've never is... said that to another guest. Never. <laughs> no, but Marion, seriously, having you on uh, on our humble podcast is raising awareness of this issue. Mm -hmm. And so people often ask me about organic food. And if I understand it, one of the conclusions of our discussion, excuse me, one of the conclusions of our discussion is uh, that organic foods are just better for the environment. So in the bigger picture, they have great value. So what we might want to do as voters and taxpayers is encourage that. And as you as a consumer, you say, what can I do? Perhaps. Buy organic. Buy organic. And this is, I mean, what I like is you have clear answers to these like time-honored questions. And calories matter. Oh, they do. So, <laughs> so the more you take in, the more likely you are to gain weight. Yeah, and larger portions have more calories. Wow. And foods that are engineered to make you overeat, make, make you, you overeat. overeat. <laughs> Just like that. Yes. This is fantastic. Thank you so much, Marion Nessel, Professor of Nutrition, Food Studies, and Public Health at New York University, Emerita. <laughs> no, I love that. I'm a big Latin guy. I love that. I'm Bill Nye. I am Corey S. Powell. And remember, when it comes to the nutritional part of our universe, science, science rules. rules. Now, if you like Science Rules, and I certainly hope you do, please take a moment to rate and review it in Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. It really does, everybody. It really helps us out, helps us make the shows better, and helps other people learn about the show, which ultimately it is to be hoped raise cosmic awareness of science and its role in our society. Science Rules is produced by Jordan Bell and Corey S. Powell, with production and editing by Lisa Wang who also screens your phone calls. Our engineer today is Andy Christens. Mixing and original theme music are by Casey Holford. A special thanks for our beloved Claire Rawlinson. And Chris Bannon is the CCO, the Chief Content Officer of Stitcher, where science rules. See you next time, everybody. Thank you.
Stitcher. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today.